You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Thursday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today on the podcast, we are going to do something very similar to what we did yesterday, and that is reflect upon the comments made by Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, during his year-end press conference. So yesterday, we did this for Sean McDermott. Today, we're going to do the same thing for Brandon Bean, who met with the media on Wednesday afternoon, and he did so for over 70 minutes. It was a pretty long session. And Brandon Bean was fully committed to making himself available for as long as he needed to, to answer any question that anyone had for him. And I think that's something that is noteworthy that you don't necessarily see across the entire NFL. So he started off his press conference with an apology. He said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm sick to my stomach that we lost. And I'm so appreciative to have the support of Bill's Mafia all year long. I want to hug all of you. We are all hurting, and I'm sorry we couldn't get it done. And you could tell that he was very genuine as he worked through those comments. And he said a whole lot more than that, but it kind of boiled down to those central themes that he's hurting, he's sick about it, and he's sorry. And I think when you say you're sorry, it's different than saying I apologize. And I I certainly detected a lot of sincerity from Brandon Bean in the way that he addressed that. Now, regarding the Chiefs, Brandon Bean was quick to point out, just like I have, the competitive difference between the 2020 games against Kansas City and the 2021 games against Kansas City. He said the game on Sunday night could have went either way. If we played them 10 times, it probably would have gone 5-5. to If we would have finished that game the way we know how, we're not sitting here right now. He's not wrong. And I do think it's interesting that he said, if we played him 10 times, it would be five to five. Because that's an indicator to me that he doesn't think there's a gap at all between the Bills and Chiefs. He thinks that from a talent perspective and you know just the ingredients that he has as a football team, it's good enough, which is different than what he said last year, which was, we're not a Super Bowl team. We are not at the point where we're ready to take down Kansas City. After this year, he said, if we played them 10 times, it would go 5-5. to So I thought that was an interesting shift in the way that he's perceiving how the Bills match up with Kansas City. Regarding off-season spending, Brandon Bean said that he doesn't anticipate the Bills being big spenders. He said, we'll look to fill some spots from the outside in addition to trying to keep some of our own. I'll look everywhere to improve the team, he said. And he also discussed how the cap going down was a major shift in his overall planning for constructing the roster. And he talked about how now that Josh Allen and his contract is signed, that he knows exactly what those figures are going to be. And obviously, we anticipate the cap going up in future years and how it will allow them to kind of get back on track with the cap management, but also indicated that, look, things are a little tight and he'll have to look 
within the roster to restructure some things and maybe even have some cap releases, which is not unexpected based on where the Bills are at from a cap perspective, the players that they need to bring back, and obviously the opportunities to improve with additions from outside the roster. Regarding team speed, he said, we're always looking to add speed, but he noted that they have to be good football players. You can't just grab track guys. He won't sacrifice things such as instincts for speed, which goes hand in hand with something I've said a few times this week already. And I'm just echoing the comments that I've heard Richard Sherman say in that you can get burnt running a 4-3 just like you can a 4-6. And so speed matters, but if you don't have instincts and football skill, it ain't going to matter how fast you can run a 40-yard dash. Regarding the rookie class, I found this to be interesting. He worked through the draft picks and how they fared as rookies. And starting with Gregory Rousseau, he praised his impact. He mentioned that he did hit a rookie wall and that he came on late. And Sean McDermott has said a few times that he thought Rousseau hit a rookie wall. And I think we can all agree with that. His impact early on was pretty significant. He turned it on again late. He was flashy in the middle, but the impact wasn't consistent in the middle of the season. And for a guy that didn't play football at all in 2020, I think the rookie wall hit even harder than it does for most players in their first season. Regarding Boogie Basham, he said he fell out of the numbers, was not disappointed in him, but they chose to rely on vets over Basham, and he expects him to fight for a starting job next year, which I think is a reasonable expectation. We're talking about a second-round pick. This decision to draft Basham had to have the potential departures of Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison on his mind. And he's got to compete with A.J. Epinesa and whoever else the Bills bring in to come in and win that job opposite of Rousseau. And so I think we were all a little underwhelmed by Basham's impact, but they dressed and kept so many defensive ends that reps were hard for him to come by. Regarding Spencer Brown, he said the game didn't look too big for him. He said he hit the wall too, just like uh, Rousseau, and that he expects big things for him as the right tackle moving forward. So go ahead and put that down in Sharpie, that Spencer Brown is your right tackle next season. Regarding Tommy Doyle, he said he did a great job as an extra offensive lineman, played a lot as a utility guy, and they expect a lot from him moving forward. And he pointed out that Tommy Doyle made one of the biggest jumps from the end of camp to the end of the season. And I would agree with that because you guys heard me talk about Tommy Doyle during the preseason and compared that to what I said about Spencer Brown. And I just didn't feel like Tommy Doyle was anywhere near ready to help the team. And for him to be able to claim that utility offensive lineman role and really make an impact down the stretch with some of that outside run game that the Bills would run, that outside power with the quarterback and even Isaiah McKenzie, Tommy Doyle played a big role in the blocking for those plays. And so Tommy Doyle as the utility offensive lineman and swing tackle um, is a role that I'm feeling more and more comfortable about him being able to fill. Regarding Marquez Stevenson, he said he did some nice things when he got a chance. I think we can all recognize the inconsistencies that existed with Stevenson. 
And then I thought his comments regarding DeMar Hamlin were interesting. He said he did a great job, has a real legit chance, said he's a good special teamer, and he can push Jaquan Johnson as the team's third safety next year. And so there was some pretty high praise for DeMar Hamlin. And I think when you look at this rookie class, and obviously a lot more time has to pass for this to play out and really understand what this class is. But to me, you've already got two starters in Greg Rousseau and Spencer Brown at premium positions. We're talking offensive tackle and defensive end. You have a utility offensive lineman in Tommy Doyle that's also going to serve as your primary backup at right tackle and left tackle. You have a rotational defensive end that has a chance to start in year two in Boogie Basham and an exciting special teamer and depth piece at safety in DeMar Hamlin, not to mention Marquez Stevenson. And when you consider some of the comments that were made over the offseason about how it's going to be a, a difficult thing for a rookie to come in and really make an impact on this roster, given how deep it is, to see that many of them come in and do that is really, really impressive. And so I think the early returns and how we kind of forecast this draft class moving forward looks really good for the Bills. Regarding the defensive line and if he felt like the Bills had received enough return on investments from the defensive linemen, Brandon Bean said, in certain games, yes. In some other games, we wish we had more. Teams tended to get the ball out quick on us. He wishes that the group was more consistent overall. And he said, he's always going to put resources in the defensive front. He said, that's how I believe it's built. And don't ever be shocked when I put more resources there, whether it's free agency or the draft. And so it's funny that just a few hours before this press conference happened, I did a seven-round mock draft for the Buffalo Bills on the draftnetwork.com's mock draft machine, and I shared the results on Twitter. And I had the Bills picking a defensive end in the first round, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, and a defensive tackle in the second round, Fidarian Mathis from Alabama. And a lot of people really liked it. But then I also got a lot of people that responded and said, more defensive line, question mark? And I was surprised that they were surprised. First of all, Brandon Bean's messaging and his actions have done nothing but prove he's going to invest in the defensive line. And the reality is, Right now, the only defensive linemen under contract for the Buffalo Bills in 2022 that are not futures deals are Starla Tulele and Ed Oliver at defensive tackle, and then the three young defensive ends, Rousseau, Basham, and Epinesa. That's it. So it is perfectly logical to project them to pick defensive linemen early, and not only is it logical, it's a massive need. I don't know how you can watch the Bills against Kansas City and not crave more pass rush and ability to impact Patrick Mahomes. Regarding Star Latulale, Brandon Bean said that COVID really affected him. Started off really well, and then he did not return to his form from earlier in the season. And I appreciate that Brandon Bean said that because that's exactly how we perceived it. Early on, he played well, then he got COVID, then he came back, and he really wasn't the same. And so we all felt that drop-off, 
And it's nice to know that there was some type of an explanation here. Now, obviously, we hope that Star gets himself back together and can come back next season and make the impact that we saw early on. But I do find some satisfaction in knowing that, hey, there was something that happened here that affected his ability to produce like he did early on in the season. Hey, Bills fans, this is Joe Marino with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account and you can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Regarding Cole Beasley, Brandon Bean was pretty straightforward. He said he had the same number of catches as he did in 2020, that Cole Beasley can still play. He talked about Isaiah McKenzie's role and how that affected his usage a bit, but said that Cole will continue to play in the league, and I would anticipate him being back. He's under contract. And I appreciated Brandon Bean being very straightforward on this because opinions on Cole Beasley and what he means to this team have really been all over the place. And I thought it was pretty obvious that Cole Beasley can still play and be a very meaningful slot receiver for this football team. And I think we saw that in the game against Kansas City and throughout the course of the season. But I actually went back and I watched uh, Josh Allen's highlight reel on YouTube. And it's it's like an hour long and it goes through his best throws from every game. And it's easy to be reminded of how many of those throws Cole Beasley was on the receiving end of. And my appreciation for Cole Beasley has never really went down. And it was a really nice affirmation of his skill set, what he means to Josh Allen, and what he means to this offense. And so Brandon Bean straight up said, I anticipate him being back. He's under contract, and he can still play. Regarding Devin Singletary and the run game, he said the run game started slow. It came on down the stretch. He said Devin Singletary's vision was good. The offensive line found their rhythm. And then he said all things have to work together in sync, and the run game was inconsistent to begin the year, but they found rhythm and hopes that they can get into that rhythm quicker next year. And I really like how Brandon Bean brought up the offensive line finding consistency. And I've said this before in the podcast, and I'm going to say it again, but I'll never forget being at Jonathan Taylor's press conference at the NFL Scouting Combine. And he was asked about vision and why he has such good vision. And he didn't talk about anything about his approach or the way he sees the field. He talked about the consistency that he's been able to have with the offensive line at Wisconsin. And he said, I know how these guys are going to block. I know when the defense lines up this way, how my blockers are going to respond and where the space is going to be. And so 
I can really appreciate what Brandon Bean is saying here that as the offensive line found their rhythm, so did Devin Singletary and how his vision really showed up. And I don't just mean rhythm as in they played good, but the Bills were finally able down the stretch to have the same group up front. It felt like week after week for a while there, it was musical chairs with this offensive line, whether it was injuries, COVID, and then just guys had to shift around like crazy just because one player was out. That didn't happen down the stretch, and we saw the benefits of that not only from a run game perspective and how Devin Singletary was able to produce, but how the pass blocking improved and Josh Allen and, and the time that he had to, to run the offense. Regarding replacing coaches, Brandon Bean said they have talked about a list of candidates with Sean McDermott and that they can't start the process until they actually know who's going to be gone and that they want to look inside and outside. I want to move right into his comments specifically about Brian Dable. He said that it's fortunate for Josh Allen that he's only had one offensive coordinator across his four seasons. And he said stability in the offensive system has been big for Josh Allen's development. He said he values Josh Allen's input on a replacement for Dable if it comes down to it. And said he sat down with Josh Allen on Monday and it would be crazy to not loop in Josh and Brandon Bean affirmed that we know what Josh Allen thinks of Ken Dorsey. And so I think it's all out of the table. We know for a fact that Josh Allen wants it to be Ken Dorsey. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have affirmed that they've spoken to Josh Allen and they're fully aware of his endorsement. And they're also going to kind of do their due diligence here and look inside and outside to find the right guy for the offense. But I continue to just be happy that Josh Allen's going to be involved. And um, I think they'll have a good process for securing Brian Dayball's replacement if and when he leaves. Regarding the backup quarterback position, this is interesting because obviously Mitchell Trubisky is a free agent. And uh, Bean said if he doesn't get what he wants, he has a spot here. They will look to free agency in the draft for a backup. And given Josh Allen's playing style, it's very important for the Bills to have a reliable backup quarterback. So first of all, I highly doubt that Mitchell Trubisky won't have an opportunity that he likes in this coming offseason. We're expecting a lot of turnover and transition at the quarterback position across the NFL. I mean, just look at last year, for example. You had guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold, and Andy Dalton, to name a few, as week one starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I feel pretty certain that Mitchell Trubisky is going to have a chance to start somewhere next year. And if Brian Dable goes to the New York Giants, you'd have to think that that's a very natural spot for him to go and continue working with Brian Dable. But what I want to go back to here is the importance of this backup quarterback position for the Buffalo Bills. Because yeah, Josh Allen is a dual threat quarterback that takes his share of hits. And so yeah, you need to make sure that your season doesn't go down the drain because you're one snap away from whoever, Matt Barkley, 
Jake Fromm, something like that being your backup quarterback, some day three rookie. So I think it is important for the Bills to get this position right. Now, I don't have a bunch of options to give you today, but when we start our performance review series and we go position by position, which we will start with quarterback, as part of that podcast, I will give you some veteran options that I think the Buffalo Bills should consider. Regarding the cornerback position and the concerns that were out there that Brandon Bean didn't invest last year in the draft with a higher selection on a cornerback. He said, last year people didn't understand why we didn't draft one. We had cornerbacks that we liked, but had higher rated players at other positions. He said he thought Dane Jackson measured up closely to the cornerbacks that they could have drafted earlier, and that he couldn't pick a guy in the second round that wasn't worth the pick, and he isn't beating out a guy that they picked in the seventh round the year before. He also said that they would love to have Levi Wallace back. I find that very interesting. I've never really heard Brandon Bean talk like that, where he's saying, look, yeah, I could have drafted one in the second round, but we thought Dane Jackson was as good as any corner that we could have drafted in the second round. And then if this seventh round pick from last year is playing over the second round pick from this year, you guys are going to have questions. I've never heard him talk like that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and they have a newly updated website. So head on over, sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. Brandon Bean was asked about Tremaine Edmonds. He said he did a really good job again. He's getting more comfortable as a leader and an alpha. His physicality and take-on ability improved this year. There are still things he wants to get better at. He thinks he'll be even better in year five. He said his awareness and instincts have improved and that he does a lot pre-snap to get the team lined up, and he does a lot with the entire defensive operation that goes unnoticed. He was also asked about a contract extension for Tremaine Edmonds and was pretty noncommittal about it. He said it's something that's tabled and that he wouldn't be really thinking about this time of year. So I know Tremaine Edmonds is a polarizing player in the minds of many fans, but that is what the Bills general manager had to say about him. Regarding Ed Oliver, Brandon Bean said he was our best and most consistent defensive lineman all year. The game slowed down for him. He was a huge factor in our success, and he helped the back end of the defense with his disruption. He also basically said that they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. And so Bean's reflections on Ed Oliver match up with what I would say. I do believe that he was the most consistent defensive lineman this year. I do believe that the game slowed down for him and that he was very disruptive. And I think he had his best season. And I'm very encouraged with the way Ed Oliver played and his trajectory as a football player. Regarding Harrison Phillips, 
Brandon Bean said he's an unbelievable human. They're super proud of him. He emerged when Starr got COVID. He helped stabilize our defensive front. He talked a lot about how Harrison Phillips communicates with the defensive lineman and how he is the most communicative defensive lineman. He said they have to figure out what his value is for an extension and that they drafted him and would love for him to continue his career here. And so it sounds like there's a lot of momentum for an extension to get done, but it really just comes down to both sides agreeing on what his value is. Regarding the Bills punter, Matt Hawk, Brandon Bean flat out said it was an inconsistent year. He had his ups and downs, said he's a great kid that works hard, but it did not always translate on the field. Then he really opened up and started talking about Tyler Bass and how he was having a Pro Bowl year and said he got robbed of being in the Pro Bowl. And he said Matt Hawk was a big part of that. As a holder, he has soft hands. He sets it down with no issues. And that his role as a holder is a big deal in the field goal operation. And that despite the inconsistency of Matt Hawk, he did not want to mess with the cohesion in season between Reed Ferguson and Tyler Bass. And he said he will look at it in the offseason. And so Brandon Bean is clearly not satisfied with Matt Hawk, the punter. He recognizes his value as a holder. They didn't want to disrupt it during the season. And it is something that he's going to consider this offseason. So kind of lines up with a lot of the stuff we talked about on this podcast as we work through our own frustrations with the inconsistency of Matt Hawk. Regarding Ryan Bates, he said, you have to give him a lot of credit. They're super proud of how he stepped in. He didn't miss a beat when Ike Bucker went down and that Deion Dawkins played some of his best football with Ryan Bates next to him. I thought that's pretty high praise. You know, didn't miss a beat. They're proud of him. They give him a lot of credit. And especially what he said about Deion Dawkins and how those two played well together. I think we can really consider Ryan Bates as having a real chance to be the Bills starting left guard next year. Regarding Jerry Hughes, who is a free agent in a few months, Brandon Bean called him an aging guy. And he said that Jerry Hughes has communicated to him that he wants to keep playing and that Bean will look at it on the Bills end of things and consider it. They have to see how the money is going to work out. So it's interesting. He praised Jerry Hughes' contributions, talked about how he's been the mainstay on the roster since they got there five years ago, but said, hey, it really comes down to money and if it's going to work out. It's not like he sat here and said that it's a high priority for us to make sure that Jerry Hughes continues his career as a Buffalo Bill and ends his career as a Buffalo Bill. He said it has to make sense from a money perspective. So I think there's a reasonable chance we've seen the end of Jerry Hughes in a Buffalo Bills uniform. On replacing Joe Shane, the assistant general manager that is now the Giants general manager, he talked about Terrence Gray, Malik Boyd, and Brian Gain as key players in the front office. He said there will be a little more on everyone's plate. He loves the staff that he has and that the plan is to get through the draft and reassess as to any changes he would make. And so I don't know if someone's getting a promotion to assistant GM or how they're going to shuffle the deck, but um, he really highlighted the three guys that we knew were the main players and Terrence Gray, Malik Boyd, and Brian Gain. 
And then on Emmanuel Sanders, who is also an aging player who is on an expired contract, he noted that Sanders made a positive impact. He spoke regularly with Josh Allen about Emmanuel Sanders, and they were all very satisfied with what he brought to the team. He said he's not sure if he wants to keep playing, but if he does, he will listen, and they have to see how the business side of it works out. So not all that uncommon to what he said about Jerry Hughes. And so I don't know if Sanders will be back or what that cost would be, but you know, it wasn't one of those deals where Brandon Bean came out and said, yeah, if Emmanuel Sanders wants to keep playing, we're going to make sure we have a spot for him. So a couple of veterans that we could have seen the end of their tenures with the Buffalo Bills. Obviously very different, right? Jerry Hughes, the longest tenured member of the team, and Emmanuel Sanders, just a one-year guy. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Brandon Bean attacks this offseason. Not a ton of cap space, some opportunities to restructure and shift some cap space around. Um, there's some cut candidates and all that type of stuff. So I think the offseason is going to look a lot like it did last year in terms of maybe one player like an Emmanuel Sanders, maybe a few depth pieces brought in. Um, but the main thing that they'll do is re-sign their own players and try to find impact players in the draft and really rely on development from younger players as the primary reason why the team could be better next year. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow, we're going to talk Buffalo Bills football here for you on Locked on Bills. I have a couple things in mind. I haven't decided exactly what. But uh, I will assure you that it will be an engaging conversation about your favorite football team. So come on back. Make sure that you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.